Previously on Mona's Isle. Since when did Granny have a cat? Dad, why doesn't it have a tail? Don't think that's a sensible question to ask in this house. They were predicting a storm, Artie. The storm's not coming today. A man on the boat said I needed to tell you. What man? This man. What did he look like? Do you know him, Granny? No, boy. Can't say that I do anymore. Fail Teru does Mona's Isle. You're listening to Mona's Isle, a bewitching tale of adventure and folklore told by me, Kyle Withington, and a host of the Isle of Man's finest actors. So settle in for the Manx myths, mystery and magic set to unfold. This is episode three, Spuds and Herring. Artie was perched on the very edge of the sofa in Mona's living room, the same position he adopted for all his constructive chats. With his shoulders craned forward, elbows rested on his knees, and fingertips all touched together. It was more than just sitting. It was a deliberate stance. It said, quite plainly, what I'm about to say won't take very long. You can't keep snapping at him, Rory. You're his sister. He needs you to listen to him, and you need to give him that. To Artie's annoyance, Rory had made herself quite comfortable. She was nestled into Granny's armchair, hugging her knees and staring into the flickering blue light of her widget console. Unfortunately for Artie, she was playing the long game. I know you might not get on all the time, but could you please just let him have things his way sometimes? Her fingers tapped away on the touchscreen. Did she really think that if she didn't look at him for long enough, he would just walk away? You will look at me when I'm talking to you. Rory turned to him, but the shock he used to get wasn't there. This was a new type of glance. It looked a little like concern. No, that wasn't it. More like pity. He doesn't want me, Dad. He wants Mum. He wants all that make-believe nonsense she told him before she went into hospital. Rory! Why won't you listen to me? He slapped his thighs and rose to his feet. The constructive part of the chat was over. You're going to put that blasted console away right now or I'm keeping it for the rest of the trip. Which is it? He held out his hand, but Rory was already staring back at the console. It made a beep. An unhappy beep. Her face crumpled like a deflating balloon. For the first time all day, she looked him dead in the eye. There's no Wi-Fi. Of course there's no Wi-Fi. What did you expect? You said Granny had it installed. I said no such thing. What on earth gave you that idea? You said she was getting a widget box installed for the TV. They need the internet. I did not say it had anything to do with the internet. It's the only box that can connect her new telly to the satellite she's already got. There it was. Proof that she'd only heard whatever she wanted to hear. She would have to learn one way or another. Perhaps a week without Wi-Fi would teach her that. Now, will you put that console away because you're about this close to... This close to what, Dad? Whether you like it or not, coming here was the very last thing your mother asked of us. Get some perspective. 
Artie watched as the reality of the coming days dawned on Rory. Her eyes looked gaunt, glazed with the dread of thinking that she couldn't just lock herself in a room with her games. How did she manage to taunt Ashley so much about daydreaming when she didn't want to spend a moment in reality herself? There was more to say, but Mona was now onto the first of several round trips to and from the kitchen to bring all of the various serving plates to the dining table. Artie sighed. That would have to be an end to it for now. Need a hand with anything, Mona? No, you're all right, Artie. What are you looking at, you little creep? Dad, Rory called Ashley, me... Ashley, give it a rest. Will you two get over here? It's going cold. She gestured Rory and Ashley over with the wave of a dishcloth. Artie plonked himself down in one of the creaky dining chairs as Mona dished out generous helpings of additional soft greens. Things fell quiet as they all focused on the food and their various approaches to not eating very much of it. It's very nice. Thank you, Mona. It's Bud's and Erin, Artie. I didn't make it for compliments. This clearly came as a delight to Mona, as there was nothing she enjoyed more than filling a silence. Over the many years that Artie had known her, she'd always shown herself to be perfectly capable of holding an entire table worth of conversation single-handedly. In no time at all, she fired up her own personal radio show that weaved its way through every conceivable topic. She started out on how meat tastes different these days, and the unhealthy level of sugar they put in everything now. This led to a rerun of her story about not being able to send the five kilograms of mincemeat that she'd intended to post to them the previous Christmas. This was all in spite of Artie telling her countless times that none of them made or even liked mince pies. Suddenly, Mona looked quite concerned. Oh, you have all brought enough socks, haven't you? You'll need twice what you'd usually bring. Socks go missing from this house. Well, the left ones do. She looked to be quite serious, eyeing each of them in turn through a furrowed brow. Artie saw the unfathomable superstitions that Mona lived by as holding a similar integrity to the soft mound of fishy potatoes that she'd just served to them. Yet he had also learned that whenever he voiced his opinions on this, they always seemed to backfire. Woven deep into the fabric of Mona's unique form of madness were the odd and inexplicable moments of profound clarity. Moments that could make a fool out of anyone who dared to underestimate her. He held his tongue, but Ashley's curiosity got the better of him. How can you tell it's the left ones? Because it's only the right ones that are left in the morning, Ashley. It's the moon Vega, if you ask me. Ashley was still puzzled. Surely you've heard of themselves, Ashley. Uh, I... Yes, we've all heard the stories. Nonsense. There's not a soul alive who's heard all the stories. She craned in close. It's best to leave themselves to themselves, Ashley. They may seem harmless enough, but they've been known to take people. Never heard from again. You needn't worry. This one will keep you safe. She chuckled, looking down to the floor by the table where the tailless cat was now stood, begging for fish scraps. He was far more interested in the meal than anyone actually eating it. The cat's a new addition. Right, Mona? She told them that it wandered out to the headland one day and had been by every day since. Right at the base of its spine was a small tuft of fur that flicked a little as it walked. He's a manxy, Ashley. They lost their tails when the doer slammed shut on Noah's Ark. Artie snorted through a mouthful of herring. The cat's got a good nose for themselves, the thieving little beggars. 
It's a good job too, or they'd have been off with all me bunting for Parish Day already. I thought you stepped back from all of that. Oh, I did. But Mrs Quiggin and Mrs Quirk needed the help again this year. Mona had something planned. Artie could tell. Ashley's head had been flicking between them like he was watching a game of tennis. What's Parish Day? Surely your mother told you about Parish Day. Rory clenched her knife and fork so hard, Artie was surprised they didn't bend. The whole parish gets together on the green down by the church every July. It's been moved forward to this Saturday, right after Timwold. You lot are going to have a great time while you're here. The Mackle Committee are even doing a duck race down at Ballaglass tomorrow, so you can get to know everyone then. They're racing ducks tomorrow? Only the rubber ones, Ashley. They put numbers on the bottom and there's a prize for the first to get to the stone bridge down at the foot of Mrs Quirk's garden. Speaking of Mrs Quirk, there's also the matter of that awful little self-entitled daughter of hers being set for her third year as our parish queen. I had hoped that... No! But your mother would have loved to see you. Why do you all want me to be some pretend version of mum? Rory's fist landed on her plate, flicking splodges of potato in all directions. Clinking porcelain and glassware rippled across the table, sweeping away the entire conversation. Mona kept her composure, even while wiping cold mashed potato from her glasses. There was a glimmer of deep sadness in her eyes. You will not talk to your granny like that. What am I supposed to say? She wants to dress me up like some little doll to be paraded around this stupid village. That's really all you want from me, isn't it? You'll behave while you're under my roof, young lady. Apologise. What, Dad? Rory. I'm sorry, Mona. She's only lashing out because she got it in her head that there'd be internet here. Internet? Why would she do that? Rory started laughing. It was the same dark chuckle she'd given him before, only this time it seemed even more menacing. Artie was worried that Mona had taken offence. She may have had a way with Claire, but when it came to Rory, she hadn't the faintest idea. Maybe to talk to my friends? There's no Wi-Fi. No, we'll talk about it later. Oh, grow up, Rory. Your brother's three years younger than you and you don't see him acting up like this, do you? Mona patted Ashley on the back and Ashley looked sheepishly back at her. Yeah, well, maybe Ashley's okay with not talking to his friends because he doesn't have any. He pushed Mona's arm away and got down from the table. The light above them jittered as he climbed the wooden stairs and slammed the bedroom door shut behind him. Subscribe to join us next time in episode four, Fairy Stories. The podcast is produced with the support of the Isle of Man Arts Council and Culture Vannin. It features an original score by David Kilgallen. Go to monasisle.im or find us on Instagram at monasisle. Thank you for listening and the full show notes are available on our website.